This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. And some concerning findings released today by B'nai Canada. Uh, now each year, B'nai releases its annual audit anti-Semitic incidents. So it's, it's kind of a snapshot of the problem of anti-Semitism in Canada, and when we compare it to other years, we can see whether this is a problem that's getting better or worse. And unfortunately, things are getting worse. In fact, 2016, they found, was a record-setting year for anti-Semitism in Canada. So that's really troubling. A 20%, uh, 26% increase over the previous year. All right, so what does that entail? And why is this happening? I want to try to get a better understanding of this. So as we welcome to the program, Amanda Holman, who is a national director for B'nai Canada's League for Human Rights, or at B'nai Amanda, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Okay, tell us a bit more about how this report is put together, where, where you're getting these statistics from. Sure. So our statistics are compiled um, from two primary sources. The first is our police partners across the country, um, all of the major metro areas, uh, the police forces in those areas send us statistics that they gather on anti-Semitic incidents uh, in each of those cities. As well, they come from calls to our anti-hate hotline um, and to our website, benebrith.ca slash report. Um, So it's a combination of police data and publicly provided data. Okay. So even if something's getting missed or whatever, I mean, but this is an apples to apples comparison year over year, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so as I, as I alluded to, there's some, some troubling numbers in this year's report. So w- what are we seeing? Well, unfortunately, 2016 was the worst year on record for anti-Semitism in Canada. Um, we've been compiling this report every year since 1982. And 2016 um, marks uh, a pretty dramatic spike in anti-Semitism, and it's a 6% increase over the previous high, which was set in 2014. Um, it was a, a very dramatic year for anti-Semitism around the world. I'm sure um, lots of your listeners are aware of what's been going on in Europe and in, in the United States. There was no difference here in Canada. It was also very bad here at home. Okay, but what's interesting, though, that but looking at, I mean, 2016 was, as you mentioned, the, the, you know, the presidential election in the U.S. and, mm-hmm. you know, with that, the rise of the alt-right, et cetera. But did you find any kind of a direct link between anti-Semitism in Canada and the election in the U.S.? Actually, we found the opposite. Um, around the time of the election, so from September to December, um, those are actually the months that traditionally have the highest anti-Semitic incidents reported to us. Uh, 2016, relatively speaking, the proportion of incidents reported from September to December was actually down. So we actually didn't see in our data any sort of correlation um, that I can, you know, definitively claim that the the U.S. election had anything to do with anti-Semitism in Canada. Okay. But as you say, I mean, the, this, this audit catches all kinds of, of different sort of incidents, um, and, and they range in, in severity, obviously. So where, where do we see the, the increases? 
the, I think the biggest um, increase that we saw this year was in Holocaust denial and um, the sort of alt-right rhetoric around that. Uh, Holocaust denial in 2015, just for comparison, uh, in 2015, Holocaust denial made up only 5% of our overall incidents, whereas in 2016, it was more than 20%. Um, and I think this is a really troubling finding um, because Holocaust denial has a very particularly insidious uh, impact and effect um, because on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's outright anti-Semitism. But when you sort of think about it and, and you look at the reasons why people engage in Holocaust denial, um, there's usually an anti-Semitic undercurrent or motivation there. Right. And, and so, th- I mean, this is tougher to measure because, I mean, Holocaust denial is not, technically speaking, a crime in Canada. So, I mean, how do we, how do we track something like that? Uh, well, I think that's why agencies like ours and um, our anti-hate hotline is so important. Um, the only way to track this, there are no official statistics on this. This isn't something that, say, the police are tracking. The police are tracking things like assaults and vandalisms. Um, they're not tracking things like uh, harassment or somebody calling somebody an anti-Semitic name or somebody engaging in Holocaust denial, even though I think you would be pretty hard-pressed to make the argument that these things weren't anti-Semitic in motivation. And so I think it's really important that, you know, data like ours um, is gathered because otherwise these sorts of things fall through the cracks. Right. Now, I mean, you know, we've, and we've spoken before, we've talked about, for example, uh, concerns around one particular professor at the mm-hmm. University of Lethbridge. And what we often see with people who want to, you know, question the Holocaust, cast doubt on the Holocaust is, you know, they hide behind these other excuses that we're, you know, we're just asking questions. We're not anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, anything like that. We just want, you know, open debate. And, and we hear this kind of rhetoric. So how do we cut through that? Well, I think the biggest thing is to ask yourself, why do you need to debate historical fact? What is the motivation for debating something like the Holocaust? Um, I mean, questioning uh, questioning ideologies is one thing, but the Holocaust is not an ideology. The Holocaust is historical fact. And so you have to look at what somebody's motivation might be behind questioning it. And if you start to make an argument that the Holocaust didn't really happen, um, then the natural extension of that becomes, well, then, uh, you know, there's some sort of conspiracy to promote it. And then who's behind that conspiracy? Mm-hmm. And it becomes a larger, uh, you know, the, the snowball just gets bigger and bigger. Uh, something else this, this report highlights is um, anti-Semitism, incitement against Jews in, in the media, and in particular in Arabic language publications. Talk a bit more about that. Sure. So that's actually something that um, is relatively new uh, from our perspective anyway. Um, 2016 was really the first year where we got a number of reports of anti-Semitism, some of the worst types of anti-Semitism, really virulent anti-Semitism in Arabic language, mostly community newspapers. Um, And I think it's important to note that these aren't you know, extremist publications or jihadist publications, these are the ones that you see at your local coffee shop or at your local grocery store that are just put out by your local community. Um, and in each instance, uh, it was actually somebody from the Arabic language community that uh, alerted us to the content in these newspapers. 
um, and that it was somebody from their community that felt uncomfortable with this, with the topic that was being raised and with the language, the language that was being used. And um, in each of those cases, it's very troubling uh, that there was no charges laid. The police didn't think that there was any uh, criminal, um, that there was no uh, criminal intent behind it. Um, but in one of them, uh, one of the worst examples, they actually, the, the author um, says that uh, the Holocaust was justified and that, you know, well, the Jews brought all of these bad things to society, so, you know, Hitler was justified in murdering them. Um, and that's uh, the kind of stuff that we're seeing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that seems even worse than Holocaust denial, isn't it? Holocaust yeah. justification? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you, you've kind of hinted at, you know, the, the response to all of this. And, and a lot of it comes to pointing it out, exposing it. And we've seen in a lot of cases where, you know, some of these videos or articles have been taken down or retracted or apologies made. I mean, is, is, that, is that step one? I think it is. Um, because a lot, of, a lot of what we see actually comes from ignorance, um, especially around, say, for the, ex- the examples of Holocaust denial. Um, there are people who... Um, don't understand that what they're doing and what they're saying is actually really hurtful to a certain segment of the community. And when you reach out to them and you explain to them why these sorts of things hurt the Jewish community, um, they're very apologetic. They just they didn't know. And so I think the first most important step is pointing them out. And that solves all of the ones that are born out of ignorance. I think also pointing them out, um, there's a bit of a societal pressure there for those who are engaging out of malice um, that it shuts them down and it makes them realize that, you know, this is a fringe point of view, that not everybody agrees with them, um, and that there's going to be maybe societal consequences uh, to speaking these sorts of views. You know, maybe somebody's going to pull their advertising from your newspaper, for example. Um, and so I think it's very important, the most important thing is to speak out and to, to show solidarity with each other um, whenever one community is targeted. Right. Now, sadly, I mean, this is obviously not a new problem, uh, not, not even close. Um, but but I, I think, you know, we, we tend to assume that uh, there, there's, there's progress that we're making, that, that bigotry will continue to fade, you know, the further it gets in, in the rearview mirror, that uh, year after year we should see less of this, but we're not. So beyond what you've just talked about, is, is there more that needs to be done? Uh, yeah, I think there's... Education is so important, and I think especially, uh, like you said, the further we get away from the Holocaust, um, especially when we're talking about Holocaust denial and issues of anti-Semitism that arise out of that, um, there's fewer and fewer survivors every year. There's fewer and fewer people who lived through that time in history. And so for somebody um, in the, you know, the younger generations, it's not something that they can fathom. It becomes this abstract concept. And I think it's really important that we make sure that we're educating young people about it, about the realities, um, and to to make sure that those stories are told. I think it's also really important that um, when someone does engage in a criminal act, um, when one of these anti-Semitic incidents crosses into a hate crime, um, that we're properly uh, properly trying the the perpetrators, and that we're making sure that the justice system is working to the fullest extent possible. Um, as a sort of deterrent, which right now we're not doing so well. How much of a spillover effect is there? I mean, you talk about what, you know, the problem in other countries, and obviously this is something, uh, this is a problem that's a lot worse than it is in Canada, in other countries, but is there a spillover effect? 
Well, I think what we're seeing is Canada just is a few years behind some of the other countries in this sort of thing. It's the same pattern. What we're seeing in Canada now, we saw in Europe a decade ago. And I think if we don't um, stop the spread of anti-Semitism in Canada, if we don't recognize the problem for what it is, and we don't really guard our multiculturalism um, and the values that we hold as Canadians to be so important, the ideas of pluralism um, and tolerance and understanding, if we don't really make sure that we are um, upholding those uh, every time they're challenged, I think we're going to end up in a situation like we're seeing in parts of Europe where um, certain uh, segments of society have, have made their views the dominant views. And that's, you know, they're the ones who aren't um, embracing multiculturalism and, and the sort of pluralism that we believe in here at home. All right. Well, uh, more on, on this report and uh, related issues. B'nai Amanda, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Amanda Holman, National Director for B'nai Canada's League for Human Rights, B'nai Our number here, 403-974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Welcome back. 403-974-8255 is a telephone number. Uh, a couple of things here. Uh, I got this text that says, uh, I've been targeted as being anti-Israel and suggesting that makes me anti-Jewish, but you can see the problem that Israel causes other countries and people. Well, look, I'm pretty pro-Israel myself, uh, but that's not to say that Israel is perfect. And in fact, within Israel, in the media, opposition parties, you see all kinds of really harsh criticism of Israeli policies. So no, being anti-Israel doesn't make you anti-Semitic. However, 100% of anti-Semites are anti-Israel. And so I think if you're singling out Israel, maybe that's a hint of something. If you're going to condemn Israel for something that is commonplace in other countries, and you don't mention those, right, then there's a problem. But no, I, I think in and of itself, anti-Zionism is not the same as anti-Semitism. So I, I do think there needs to be a distinction. But as mentioned, I mean, all anti-Semites are anti-Zionist. Uh, another text here says, when will the public wake up and realize this is radical Islam making terrorist propaganda that is targeting Jewish people? I'm not Jewish, but it's very obvious that since we've allowed way more uh, immigrants than we had with the correlation, or then we had a correlation from that with hate crimes against Jews. It's incredible that we have anti-Islamophobia bills. What a joke. Uh, look, I, I mean, there's no denying. I mean, this report talks about it. There is a problem of anti-Semitism within the Muslim community. Of course, there's also a problem with anti-Semitism in other communities, too. It's not exclusively a Muslim problem. But there are issues in the Muslim community. I don't think anybody can deny that. And so, yeah, we need to put aside whatever you want to call it, political correctness, whatever, and say, look, this needs to be addressed. And B'nai B'rith has pointed out some of those, those examples. But as Amanda said, there are people in the Muslim community that are helping to expose these examples. I don't know how many people at B'nai B'rith speak Arabic. So it's difficult to catch this stuff when it appears in, in some of these publications. When it's people in the Muslim community who are seeing this and saying, you know what, this is disgusting. This needs to be brought to light. Those are also Muslims who are doing that. So I don't know that you can say that fundamentalists represent and speak for an entire community. And so that's the problem, because there is anti-Semitism in Canada, there is anti-Semitism coming from Muslims, but there is also anti-Muslim bigotry that exists. I don't think we can deny that either. I mean, if you want to quantify these, these problems, 
Even the numbers coming from police are coming from Statistics Canada when it comes to hate crimes. Anti-Semitism is a far bigger problem. I don't think there's, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And we've got this text from Dan, though, who says the Muslim community is constantly harassed and controlled by the people they left their country to get away from. Which is certainly true. So, yeah, I mean, there are clearly radicals and fundamentalists in the Muslim community who are fomenting hatred against Jews, and it's a problem. But fundamentalists and extremists don't represent the whole community. Right? I mean, there are Jewish fundamentalists and extremists. I mean, it's a different kettle of fish, but they don't represent all Jews. I was in Israel 10 years ago, and it was the Sabbath, and we had our tour bus, and we were driving around. By the way, we were in our hotel, and they had the, uh, you know, the Sabbath elevator, which is interesting. But anyway, I mean, the point was, you know, our tour bus driver uh, said, look, I mean, there are certain neighborhoods we're not going to drive through, because if we do, they're going to throw rocks at our vehicle. Because it's the Sabbath, and they take the stoning, uh, you know, the Old Testament kind of stoning on the Sabbath. Uh, they take that rather seriously, kind of literally. So, do I think that all Jews throw rocks at people who are seen to be working on the Sabbath? No. Right? And so, I mean, it would be anti-Semitic to say, that's, those, that's what those Jews do. But there are some fundamentalists who would do that. But again, we shouldn't say that the fundamentalists represent the entire community. And when we do, that's when we get on the path to these, uh, you know, this kind of bigotry. I uh, had a text regarding Holocaust denial as well. Jason, who says, Holocaust denial in and of itself is not anti-Semitic. It's like flat earthers. It's just stupid. But it's free speech. You're free to speak, free to be offended, but not free to limit speech because you're offended. I mean, in Germany, Holocaust denial is illegal. I don't know what, what that has accomplished. So, no, I don't think it should be illegal. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of both. Anti-Semitic and stupid. But it is conspiracy thinking. And I, I think there are people who kind of get sucked into that. You go down the rabbit hole of all kinds of different conspiracy theories to the point where you just think everything is. And so you're not necessarily specifically anti-Jewish. You're just, you know, one of these weirdos who just thinks everything's a conspiracy. So I think there's a valid point in there. Right? The kind of people who just think everything's a conspiracy. But I think for the most part, I think Amanda's right. When you're talking about Holocaust denial, the implication is that you're talking about a Jewish conspiracy. The Jews invented something horrific that didn't actually happen in order to gain sympathy for themselves or in order to, you know, indict other people, whatever. So I think it is, at its essence, anti-Semitic. But as Amanda also pointed out, there's something that's much worse, and that would be Holocaust justification. Right. I, I think deep down when you see a lot of Holocaust deniers, you know, they kind of want to have it both ways to try to exonerate the Nazis. Say, like, no, nah, they didn't kill all those Jews, but they sure would have been justified if they had. And then you got the people who just flat out say, yeah, they did. They were right to do so. You don't often see people as vocal about that. I think people who think those things tend to, to dress it up a little differently. So the fact that some people are that open in their hatred is pretty shocking.
All right. Anyway, 403-974-8255. Mary, Mary, go ahead. Hi, Rob. Hi, Mary. You know, anti-Semitism has been here ever since the coming of Christ. And, you know, uh, they're wonderful people. They're good people. And to deny the Holocaust is called man's inhumanity to man. That's what I have to say. Yeah. Well, it's to the point. Well said, Mary. It's very sad. It sure is. It's a sad thing. And we need to get on with it. We need to take care of everything that's going on and don't be so mean and against everybody. We all try to live a good life. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Mary, thanks for that. I appreciate the phone call. You're welcome. All right. All the best. Take care. Uh, You always like hearing from Mary. Uh, Anyway, we're going to have more time for your calls and your texts coming up after 2.30. You want to talk a bit more about this issue? We can certainly have that conversation. Got a text from Vince who says, when will News Talk 770 talk about all the anti-Christian bigotry out there? Uh, I don't know. You got some some stats. You got a report for us to talk about. Um, You know, I don't sit here and whine. When are we going to talk about all the anti-atheist bigotry out there? Uh, There's plenty of bigotry in the world. I mean, anti-Semitism seems to be the big one. He's going by the uh, the stats on hate crimes in Canada, anti-Muslim bigotry, uh, anti-Catholic bigotry tends to show up on the register. Uh, so I'm not sure we mean by anti-Christian bigotry, but sure, yeah, I'm sure we could find examples of all kinds of different bigotry. None of it's good. None of it's good. I think we can agree on that. So we'll talk more about that coming up after uh, 2.30. There's the election happening today in B.C. It's a little bit up in the air. I mean, the polls in the final days suggested that uh, the B.C. liberals are probably likely to get a majority, maybe a small majority, but a majority nonetheless. Although B.C. is kind of weird. There was an election in the 90s where party that got fewer votes actually ended up with the majority. It was the, um, it was the NDP, I believe. Uh, so you could get some weird outcomes, but uh, I think what's working in the B.C. Liberals' favor is that the Green Party in B.C. is, is you know, run a strong campaign and might split some of that uh, left-wing vote. And uh, I think a liberal victory would end up doing a big favor for Alberta's NDP government, which is kind of funny. So we'll talk about that. A few other stories I wanted to get to here. 403-974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.